Hello, everybody. It's episode 44 of The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. And it's a special one today because there is so much news, so much going on in the world of media that we haven't even got time to dig into our backlog of um, deep dives that we wanted to do as well. But uh, stay tuned for future episodes because, of course, we'll be going back to the deep dive formula. But there's so much in the news that we just wanted to have a special news round episode, if you like. Uh, which was Claire's idea, very nice title. And also, Claire, um, as you know, our mailbag is bulging uh, this week with a letter. (laughs) I think it was probably electronically (laughs) delivered uh, by superfan uh, uh, Nino. Um, And uh, yeah, Nino wants to, um, and maybe you could explain actually, Claire, Uh, Nino picked up something from our last episode and, and has a superb factoid for us. Yes, he uh, he is he is a super fan. Hi, Nino, uh, and he. We, this is when we said last time. I, I think you remember we talked about the Super Bowl, and we said, yeah, okay, it's 123 million viewers, fantastic, uh, in the US, but the Eurovision across Europe and most of the world, you know, reaches 160 million, which I was quite proud of my stats. And and uh, Nino reached out and said, well, <laughs> actually. The CCTV Lunar New Year Gala on Chinese television reaches 679 million people. So take that, Super Bowl and Eurovision. Uh, we are we are dwarfed by that show, which apparently, I will add, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, it's called Spring Festival Gala. Please go ahead. It is four hours long. But uh, to be fair, so is the Super Bowl and so is the Eurovision. So why not? Uh, and it, it, the, another stat that I will give you on the Chinese New Year Gala is that it, it uh, generated 16 billion social media mentions. So I think uh, those puny little numbers from the US and Europe starting to look very small. But yeah, very great fact there to set the record straight. Yeah, and anyone who wants to uh, make our mailbag bulge even further, it's uh, of infinite capacity uh, to correct anything, not that that's ever happened, or to embellish stats, we're always happy to hear them. Thank you, Nino. Golly, there are a lot of Chinese people celebrating the New Year. Good luck to them. I hope they had fun. Maureen, I forgot to say hello to you. Hi, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Claire. I love the f- I love Nino. Brilliant. Bring it on. We do love um, Nino. And maybe we'll get some more uh, more letters in our mailbag yes super indeed and I, i'll filter through all the fan mail and uh, just give you all the ones that say wonderful things um we had better crack on then so what no... are you assuming that there would be ones that don't say wonderful oh it's a good point I'm actually yes no no not that. at all uh, not at <laughs> all uh the, the, no there may be I'll, I'll, what i meant was i'll strip out the neutral ones <laughs> and uh, only give you the positive ones. So anyway, uh, let's move on quickly. Uh, so no deep dive. So we go straight into In the News. And Maureen Kerr, our roving reporter, stood outside the Warner Brothers, uh, the Warner Brothers head office, uh, pouring through the results. Uh, Maureen, you're standing in the drizzle there with a umbrella. Uh, well done to you. But uh, the results from Warner Brother, uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, what's the news there, and what's your take? Yeah, so I'll be really fast and quick about this, um, given that it's bloody pouring with rain. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 I'm assuming something. this is the London headquarters because I don't think it's raining in California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually over in Chiswick at the moment. So, <laughs> so, 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 anyway, let's get to the point. Let's get to the point. So, 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 uh, Warner has become, here we go, their big headline drum rolls, the first Hollywood conglomerate 
to turn a profit for its streaming unit in, oh. its, uh, in, in one of the four years. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, th- that said, um, um, the markets didn't really well, uh, didn't receive it very well. Uh, still not applauding Zaslav. Um, and in pre-markets, I think it was down like 7%, 8%. Um, uh, but that said, um, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good, sort of strong, uh, uh, let's say, uh, position um, for the business. And it's clearly building on momentum. We also heard um, overnight that the discussions between uh, Paramount and uh, Warner Brothers are stalled off, however you want to sort of interpret it. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, we can read whatever we want into that. Um, Paramount still is in the market for another another buyer. Uh, but 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 overall, um, I think the results look look pretty strong. The one thing uh, that Zaslav came out to say though was that, um, you know, he would have done better. He would have definitely done better if only those uh, strikes, those bloody writers and those actors, you know, if they'd only just got pulled their finger out and went back to work. Um, so that's his only gripe. Um, so for me, I just think it's, uh, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, he's got streaming losses under control, still, all, you know, overall loss making, um, but those losses are being contained. Um, overall, I mean, for the Warner Brothers uh, Discovery business, he's got a hell of a lot of debt still on the books. Um, but I, I think I think they're building momentum, you know. So um, the news the news item outside of Chiswick Chiswick Station is such that um, it's really interesting to see that at least one of these Hollywood uh, conglomerates uh, can do something quite quite well with respect to direct to consumer and streaming. Even that we've got you know big elephant in the room Netflix. It's interesting that the market didn't receive that news that well. Actually, I think. Uh, Zaslav must be a little bit upset because it is quite uh, it's it is quite a quite an achievement in itself. But yes, uh, it comes after a series of very very intense cost cutting exercises at Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, as we've heard. The Paramount news is interesting. It feels like we have um, well, sort of Warner Brothers very cle- very keen to make it clear that they are the ones who stopped the talks. Let's put it that way. And I, I get the sense that it was a mutual decision. But what do I know? I wasn't in the room. Claire, we'll stay with you. So ProSieben uh, and RTL. We- RTL, RTL Deutschland. RTL is the the biggest, or uh, well, the, one of the two biggest um, commercial TV channels in Germany. Uh, and ProSieben Satines is, is the other one. Uh, so the, these are the two giants, or in Germany, giants of the TV, the linear TV business, the, not, not the public broadcasting, but the commercial broadcasting. And they've been fierce competitors for years, obviously, uh, on, on all sorts of, uh, of, of different uh, topics. But they have also been making noises or certainly Bertelsmann who owns RTL has been making noises that it would be perhaps sensible for them to join forces and there were even rumors of a merger this is not a merger and a merger seems to be slightly less likely to happen now because Prozeven's owner is well anyway for various reasons but they have decided to join forces on the uh, ad tech offering and this is this is also a bit of a defensive move to try and, and rely less on the American, on the American ad tech business, but it does create a, in the German market a very very dominant player on the on the advertising front because they will now allow advertisers to run campaigns on all of their platforms, including linear TV and streaming service. Uh, this, uh, of course, will 
it seems to have had regulatory approval from what we understand, which is which is interesting because similar moves in other European countries haven't. And these two players, RTL and ProSieben, uh, although they are mostly German players, they have connections to a lot of European markets. So the owner of RTL, Deutschland, which is the RTL group, also has connections to M6 in France, which they tried to sell last year but failed to. And ProSieben Sidelines is owned by a group called MFE, which has a number of touch points in, in other parts of Europe. And so they, the question is, will they expand this this uh, advertising um, joint venture, as it were, although it's not referred to specifically as a joint venture, but certainly joint effort into other markets. So it, it's, it's, it's a big move from two, as I said, two competitors who have traditionally been very much um, not playing nice with each other. And it's, it's it, at the scale of the European broadcasting market, it's a pretty big announcement. So there you go. Maureen, I don't know if you've got any any thoughts on Pauzib and Satines uh, joining forces with RTL. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think they're all uh, they've always been like you enter uh, Germany and you either go to work for uh, Bertelsmann RTL or you go to work for ProSieben in the media industry. And I think ProSieben has shrunk quite considerably over the last sort of five, six, six years. It's sold off a lot of its assets. So um, I think I don't think the German regulators are going to or shouldn't say too much about uh, this this merger because because actually it's the sort of a legacy business is rather than the kind of like the new more um, larger wider um, streaming environment that they're all in but um, yeah they've always been sort of two um, you know behemoth of, of a business is just sort of competing head to head but yeah things have changed markets have changed market definitions have changed so yeah no amazing amazing um, amazing story there yeah. And staying with you, Maureen, um, we talk about NVIDIA quite a lot, spelt N-V-I-D-I-A, which is always spell it wrong. Um, there's something happening there. Maureen, what's the story? Well, it's, it's uh, something massive is happening at NVIDIA. <laughs> it's just well, NVIDIA is massive. <laughs> and it keeps growing and growing. So uh, it had its uh, fourth quarter results. Um, and um, in pre-market sort of positions, um, everyone was just expecting this just to be explosive, and it, and it, it was, and it, it became like a really big story. I mean, it, it is, uh, it, it provides the sort of compute power uh, for or, or the GPUs, I should say, uh, for for the industry, for the entire industry. It's now become one of the, what we call the Magnificent Seven. So we used to call it about GAFA. Or we used to talk about, you know, the, the four tech stocks. Now that uh, we've got Tesla in there and we've got NVIDIA. So you would sort of see, oh, from nowhere, you know, NVIDIA is now one of the uh, the seven samurai equivalents, the, the, the magnificent seven. Um, and, yeah, it's 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 just a, a, a really interesting phenomena here. Um, but it, it, it serves all of the industries. So um, in its earnings results, which, as I say, were just sort of beat expectations and more. Um, and we're talking billions and billions. So numbers is there's no there's no point in throwing out numbers because no one will really feel the numbers. They're just too big to talk about. Um, and um, uh, but it's diversifying into different industries. And now it's in auto, health, robotics, financial services, and all of these industries are looking at and um, and it will be seen over the coming years that will it be embracing generative AI. So it, it has this association with generative AI, but actually it's been around before then. It was a, um, a services provider for 
for the chips to the gaming industry. And of course, from the gaming industry, we got into media and film and TV. And now it's like going to be servicing um, everyone. A notable partnership in our industry uh, is with uh, WPP. So Mark Reed was very smart in the early days, uh, a few years back, uh, establishing a strategic partnership. And that's kind of locked in a nice kind of relationship there so that, you know, he can sort of ensure he gets first uh, dibs. Uh, whereas everyone else is knocking on the door and queuing up on the west coast of uh, west coast of uh, the US. So, yeah, so the news there is, oh, my God, loads and loads of money, loads and loads of earnings, loads and loads of customers um, and, and a business that we're going to hear a lot about, um, um, perhaps even the stranglehold on, uh, on, the, on the compute um, power that's required for generative AI going forward. And a little stat there for you, because the other thing that's happened, so NVIDIA has been around for 30 years. It's not a new company and it's had cycles where it's done really well, but it's never been at the forefront of the media until, until I would say the last couple of years. But it is now and it is at a moment as well, where as we've talked about before, a lot of the other big uh, Magnificent Sevens are, are actually laying off people. NVIDIA is not laying off people, they're hiring people, and they're hiring people at pretty good salary. Here's a stat for you. In 2023, half of the employees made more than $228,000. That's half of their employees. So that is a, a good place to work. I mean, I feel like we're maybe not in the right business. Should we all go to work for NVIDIA? I think maybe we're maybe we should. But yes, uh, doing doing very well. Although I will say, I will add that uh, there have been noises that because they're doing so well, some of their magnificent seven competitors might be starting to think about. Um, uh, as uh, as them as a target for acquisition, although that would be a very expensive acquisition, but also a very attractive one. So question mark whether that is something that might that might happen. I don't. I'm not sure who would have enough money to be honest. But you know, but, uh, let's have a let's wait and see. Wow, I, I never heard of those particular seven. I don't know if it was samurai, dwarves, deadly sins, magnificent seven. Anyway, the seven of them—they're big and they pay out a lot of money. Uh, that is a hell of a lot of money, unless, of course, Nino knows uh, an even bigger stat than that. Um, but we'll we'll hear in due course, uh, no doubt. Thank you. Um, now, Claire, here's something that you've been talking or we've been talking about before: uh, the Reddit Google deal. We talked about how we quite like. Reddit, although it has some really rather unsavoury dark areas. Um, obviously, something has uh, moved on uh, with that deal. What's the what's the story there, Claire? Well, we talked a, li a little bit about it. Uh, I think if people remember uh, a few a few weeks ago, but the, about the fact that Reddit was threatening to because um, what happens is Reddit has enormous amounts of content, obviously, because they have all these subboards and you know the, and. Um, well, a lot of companies are using Reddit to train their AI model, which probably explains some of the biases in the AI models, if we're being completely honest. But uh, it, it, Reddit quite uh, in, smartly and cleverly said, well, ha, ha, no, uh, I'm going to block search engines uh, from, from scouting my site because actually uh, you're using our data to build your AI models and that's not going to be working for me unless you pay me. And in parallel, they've also announced, which we've also touched upon in, in previous weeks, an IPO. And this week, they uh, they went out and talked about a deal with Google. So Google and Reddit struck, struck a $60 million deal, which sounds like a lot, but actually isn't that much. 
to uh, access user posts for AI training. Uh, and it's an interesting deal because it's actually a good deal for, even though 60 million in the sort of numbers that we talk about isn't that big a number, it's a good number. It comes at a very good time for both companies, Reddit, wants cash and it wants to be loved by investors because they want to go out and do their IPO, uh, meaning they want to go and become a public company. And then Google has not had the best press. We've talked about this around AI. I haven't quite managed to nail the narrative there. And so this is very, this is a very marketable story for them to say that they're going to be able to use Reddit content for their, to train their AI. So I think you know generally generally a good a good um, announcement for both parties. Yeah, I'm I'm more of the view. I I, I agree with you actually. I think I think they've undervalued uh, this deal at sixty million. Um, however, I think it will be really helpful for the in institutional investors that are going to prepare this business for an IPO. So it's going to look good, um, and no one really knows what's going to happen with it's, it's i should say it's 60 million a year it's not a one of 60 yeah, yeah 60, million. exactly yeah, it's, yeah, it's 60 yeah, million just um, to clarify. Yeah, per, yeah. Per, per year and and as we saw um axel springer also open up its doors and data to open ai um last year um this is this is kind of a and now becoming a an interesting well-tested sort of license a license agreement almost so i think it's going to have a short-term um short-term profit boost for sure again that will just help with positioning it you know for the for the ipo uh, a long-term strategic benefit don't know but at least they're in the game um i think it's, that's going to be really interesting and i and i think that that uh, i mean a lot of people are, are sort of criticizing it that, that well you know you've got i think i saw a stat 800 million you know monthly active users and 70 million daily active users so the, the stats are good but but frankly, you know, I, I think striking a deal like this is, is, is a good thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would I would I would add that. Um, I'm not quite sure the quality of the data to start with. <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of a lot of people commenting on a lot of stuff, you know, but nonetheless, it's uh, it's real people commenting. So real people equals real value. So, you know, um, so we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I, think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to see these these data led companies doing something to train models. So, um, yeah, let's see. Yeah. I wonder if you get the effect of sort of the wisdom of the crowd with something like Reddit. So you get a load of idiots and then you get a load of wise people. Then overall, there's a consensus, which a larger language model will be very good at drawing out, I'm assuming. Anyway, never mind what I think. Uh, let's move on. Oh, yes. So the Amazon ad business. Uh, Maureen, you had something on that. Yeah. So so um, I, I, think, I think that we... We often forget about Amazon and, and, and its advertising advertising business. But I saw this fantastic chart on LinkedIn the other day. So I was like jumping up and down about it. It's a chap called Roger Dunn. Um, and, and he compared the quarterly um, advertising services revenue of Amazon to Walmart, YouTube and Snap. And I was just like thrown by that. So you've got 14.7 billion dollars um this is quarterly you know um uh in 2023 um that amazon has, has, has managed to scoop up versus snap at 1.4 youtube at nine and walmart just shy of a billion so i think though and we're going to touch on this in, in a minute but i think i think walmart we would have all thought that was was was, was a bit better than that and that level so that that's what surprised me as well 
um, the size of Amazon, but also the, the, the small size of Walmart. But we think that this recent deal that they're um, that they've just struck with uh, the or acquisition, I should say, with Vizio, uh, is probably going to be a force to be reckoned uh, with uh, from the perspective of Amazon. So that's going to be this is going to be really interesting to see how they that all plays out. But um, but yeah, I was just I was just staggered by those numbers of Amazon's advertising services, uh, as I say, to the tune of nearly 15 billion. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it, they are starting to catch up to to what was essentially a duopoly of Google and Meta to the point where they can't be ignored anymore. And I think for a long time we assumed, I mean, Google Meta was so big in terms of their combined digital ad business that uh, they're not quite. They, but but that's not the case anymore. So a few numbers. These are U.S. only numbers. Last year in 2023. Um, Amazon made 34 or around 34 35 billion dollars in ad revenues. Meta is at 51 and Google is at 71. So they're still bigger, but they're not like you know it's the same scale and the the other difference is everybody's growing but Amazon is growing faster, very very fast recently, you know, up to 20 25% up each quarter. So uh, quietly moving into a space that had been for a very long time dominated by Google and Google and Meta were without really making any noise for it. Some of it is this retail media thing that we've talked about a lot, so advertising on Amazon platform. Some of it has been, you know, they've introduced ads on Prime Video now, which I think we mentioned a few weeks ago. So they are, they're, they're supporting many of their businesses through ads uh, increasingly, in addition to their other revenue sources, which is uh, something that Google and Meta will be very jealous about because they are very, very reliant on advertising revenue, whereas um, Amazon is, is less so. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. Good old uh, Amazon and how they managed to deliver three pounds worth of goods to me for free yesterday. I'll, I'll never know, but somehow they make money. So uh, the Spotify results, uh, Claire, you have that story. Yes, the Spotify, we did with the, 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 um, gig, Gave out their Q4 results a few weeks ago. We didn't we didn't get a chance to mention it before. They exceeded their guidance on user numbers and subscribers, which people will be happy about. Their monthly active users increased year on year by 23%. Uh, the Q4 uh, was their second largest performance in terms of extra users, and their number of subscribers, which is different from monthly active users, increased 15%. Uh, which is which is very good news for them because you could you could argue that the market is is becoming quite saturated. Uh, they also had uh, so that led to to increased revenues uh, of twenty percent, and uh, but they're still losing money. They're losing money less than people thought they would, which is good. Uh, but it's they it's it's they haven't quite nailed the the business model yet. Now the big the big discussion when, whenever Spotify talks about their revenues is, oh, yes, but they're not paying enough money to the music industry, to the artists, etc. Well, in 2023, they announced that they paid more than $9 billion uh, to the music industry. And, and more and more people are saying, you know, actually, um, Spotify is paying out quite a lot of money. The question is whether they're paying out in the right way and to the right people. And the other question is how much the labels are taking at the time. So that, that whole 
narrative of Spotify isn't paying enough, I mean, which we've talked about before, isn't paying enough money to the music industry as a whole, I think is being slightly uh, reconsidered. Uh, but it is possible that they shouldn't be paying. The question is whether they're structuring their payments in the best possible way. And there's a lot of discussion around that, whether, again, big artists should be getting more money on, on platforms like TikTok and Instagram. There's, you know, there's a... If you're too small, you don't get any money. And then if you're bigger, you get more and more money. And, and Spotify has a very equal model for, for all artists. So it'll be interesting to see to see what happens there. And of course, they're still, they're still investing in their podcast business. I don't think they've really cracked the advertising model yet. But, you know, this is something that they're still pursuing. So, yeah, a good, a good quarter for Spotify. Solid. Okay, we will move on. Um, so it's... Um... Oh yes, this is a, a a story we tried to run last week, but we it was either not perfectly formulated, or it was uh, we were too busy. I think we were too busy. Actually, we had too much on, but now we can talk about it. So Walmart Vizio, Maureen, what's going on? Yes, well, as I mentioned, uh, Walmart acquired Vizio uh, TV, um, and uh, so so two things, two interesting things I think coming out of this, um, as people have obviously already heard. Uh, the news of the acquisition, but uh, two, two things that I think are going to be really significant um, strategically for Walmart, and I think they can they can really expand the sort of the video apart from sort of cross selling. So we'll ignore the cross selling bit, but they could sort of expand the content um, and really push it to their uh, larger sort of you know customer base. I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think that means that they start to Walmart as a retailer starts to play in the fast channels even. So I think the loser here at the moment could well be Pluto, um, uh, a parent company, Paramount, you know, some, some significant issues that Paramount's going to need to sort of step up and face, I think. Um, and then and then they have what's called this sort of um, uh, automatic content recognition uh, technology uh, within Vizio. And I think that's going to be fascinating for Walmart because it will have first-party data and I think we'll start to see how it could then start to develop almost an audience measurement um, uh, 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 product offering. And that's big games. That's when we're, you know, starting to play in against Nielsen, Comscore, YouGov and the like. So I think that's going to be really interesting because then you start to get some really sophisticated targeting their audiences. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm, I think it's just an amazing acquisition. Um, and on the surface, when you see Walmart buying a TV, uh, smart TV company, Vizio, what, what's that all about? I think it's the underlying technology that is really going to make it pretty fascinating from my perspective. I think that's it. So Roku uh, possibly is going to have problems and, pl- and Pluto as well um, might, might, might run into difficulties with this particular matchup. Yeah, Roku is interesting because, uh, well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right about the first party data and, and also this sort of venture into into advertising um at the moment roku is powering Wal- so walmart have got their own they're very very large as we all know they've got their own brand of smart tvs and at the moment they're powered by roku and i would assume that that's not going to last with this deal and so the next time they that that business comes up uh it will now be um be, be made with a visio with the visio technology as a as a as a backup rather than Roku. So not great news for Roku, but yeah, it's, it's about data and it's about ads and it's a little bit of a 
bet. Uh, I mean, that's probably not what people would have expected if Walmart was was going to go into um, ad tech or into digital advertising. Would they have gone and bought a smart, a hardware manufacturer, effectively, which Vizio is? But I think it will be a very interesting link up, and uh, for both parties, really. So something to something to watch. Nice, great summary of uh, of a of a matchup that maybe you couldn't have predicted. Thank you so much. And finally, on the news, this sounds like uh, I've been drinking when I uh, described this. Fubu suing Spulu. Uh, or maybe I'm talking a language that is in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Fubu suing Spulu. Um, first, Claire, uh, explain what on earth that means. And uh, secondly, what the story is there. Well, you'll remember we talked about this uh, new sports streaming venture that ESPN, Fox, Warner Brother, Discovery and Hulu were going to get yeah, together. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, we that, that they would control 85% of the streaming sports market. And I mentioned at the time that the NFL was questioning the deal and had asked uh, the Department of Justice to look at it. Well, shortly after we recorded that episode, um, a streaming service called Fubo TV, uh, which is another sports uh, streaming service, has filed an antitrust lawsuit against the against the partners in that joint venture. Uh, and it's based in the they claim that the companies are engaging in anti-competitive practice that aim to monopolize the market. Uh, and the, the the core of this is that they say that Fubo has been blocking. No, sorry, that the 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 joint venture partners have been blocking Fubo's attempts to build this sports-only streaming business uh, and that now they're getting together and doing it, which uh, is not very nice. And so we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, it's very early days, but it's an interesting move and an interesting angle to this, which is not just they're doing this now, but historically they've blocked us from doing it by by tying up rights, etc. And now they're going out and they're occupying this market that we were going after. So can't comment on the merits, but we will see where it goes. Maureen, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I th- I th- and I think the counterpoint to that is, I mean, that basically it's going to be the lawyers coming coming in on this because it, it's going to be a big big case, I think. And I think the two points that they come in at uh, that Disney and Fox may um, may see to is is look, okay, well, we were both separately, Disney and Fox, you know, provide our offerings, uh, continue to provide our products. Uh, on multiple platforms as a condition of this sort of approving the merger or the, the, the commercial commercial partnership. Um, and then the other is, um, well, if you, as, as Claire, as you rightly pointed out, it's this sort of monopolizing the market, which a lot of people think if you monopolize, you have then control over pricing and everyone instantly thinks that they're going to raise the prices. But what they could do, though, through economies of some scale, they could effectively lower the prices. <laughs> so so um, the consumer may actually benefit, you know, so. Um, so, so I think that's going to be a hard one to uh, to to uh, to push push on. But 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 let's see. I mean, they're, they're both. I mean, they're going to have pretty pretty good lawyers representing them. I, I reckon this this will go through, and I I I think they might see a few concessions here. But otherwise, uh, I don't think this is going to be a blocker uh, in any way for uh, for the three way uh, tripart. Well, the, the merger. I call it the merger. Yeah. Yeah. 
Loads of mergers, loads of stuff happening. On, happening. Always good uh, news for consultants, hopefully, Maureen. Lots of change. We always like that. Uh, so uh, let's see what's going to happen. And I, I imagine that we're going to be doing loads and loads of work uh, for these organisations as they embed the change, as they say. Well, that was a bumper news uh, news segment. But, and that was indeed in the news. And as night follows day, and as high tide follows low tide, uh, and as other things um, that uh, happen regularly in a binary fashion, Podmojis will always follow uh, the news, and it does in this case too. So have your props at the ready for a quick round of Podmojis. And we're going to start with, I'm going to start with you, Maureen, actually. I'm going to pick on you, Maureen. I'm going to start with you. And the first topic is, please Podmojiize, uh, the uh, Disney Reliance joint venture. Well, that a biggie this is a biggie is a biggie i mean but as we as we know you know Dis- disney's presence in india is always uh like it's alpu is 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 uh dragged down this is the uh the pricing structure in in india and reliance industries is a, an enormous business in uh in 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 india and reliance has been in and out in and out in and out over decades uh, with various media companies so i hope they can make this one work so it's like whoa it's a biggie. It's a biggie. So my <laughs> Podmoji is whoa. That's a biggie. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. says it really well. That's a great face. Uh, well, obviously you have a great face, but you made very good use of your face uh, in creating that uh, in that whoa emoji. I loved it. Uh, Claire, uh, match that. Yes. Oh, match you did. That. I don't your guess. eyes were <laughs> the size <laughs> of dinner plates. I love that guy. <laughs> we took. We took. We took. Uh, we talked about how big the Chinese market is, didn't we, at the very beginning? Well, you know, Indian markets no slouch either. Uh, and cr- cricket rights in India is basically the best you can do. It's interesting that I, Disney is announcing this weeks after announcing their sports streaming business in the in the US. They are definitely going actively after those sports streaming rights. Although the joint venture will be controlled by reliance but it's still i think a very good move for disney and they will uh do very well out of it and they should be increasing their arpu in a region where it's quite hard to increase your arpu so i'm uh, i'm all up for it i've got my big eyes and thumbs up big That's eyes me. big thumbs and i know you're obsessed with cricket uh like most french uh, yeah women. i can't get enough of cricket yeah only, so you'd be disappointed to know that even yeah the rules it would just make things <laughs> well, so that doesn't matter for me. it's just such a beautiful yeah. uh, atmosphere anyway we've lost the series with india they were far too good for us with three one down with one to play the test series is over and when you say you mean England, right? Of course. Checking. Of course. <laughs> the uh, home of cricket or the country that invented cricket. Yeah. So uh, India are a very, 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 very good cricket team at the moment, at least far better than England. Sadly, difficult to win on the subcontinent, they always say. So the next one is, those were great start, by the way, if I may say so. I'm going to say with you, Claire, this is quite a sad one, I think, but it depends what you think of the uh, thing that's been demised. Uh, the end of Vice, Podmoji, Claire. Yeah, what's a Podmoji that says Schadenfreude? Ah, right, okay. Uh, I don't, that's mine. That's my face right now. If you could see it, it would say Schadenfreude. Yeah. So Vice, Vice is just collapsed. It's just gone bankrupt. It's closed down uh, its newsroom. This is a company that was 
valued at $5.7 billion just a few years ago. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some really good people who worked at Vice and Vice created some really good content. So I'm not going to, you know, this isn't an indictment on anything that, that on everything that came out of Vice, but Vice was very much defined by its founder and, um, is and who was the CEO for many? I don't know if he was the founder actually, but he definitely was the the face of of Vice and the CEO for many years, and then the executive chairman. This is Shane Smith, and mm, I have to say I have some some satisfaction in seeing Shane Smith uh, brought down. So that's my feeling about Vice. As sad as it is for the very very talented people who actually worked there. All in one emoji, yeah, uh, Maureen. I think it's. I think I, I. I. I agree. I think it's lamentable, lamentable. So sad because it was a. It was a. It was a fantastic uh, brand that really did appeal to the youth. You know, to the to the cutting edge. To the you know, it had roaming. You know, journalists all over the place. You know, just sort, sort of filing their stories, and it was just really hip and edgy and stuff. And it. And it's a pity that they just became over levered just lost their way just debt here and there so it's like oh so sorry i mustn't forget i've got to do a pop emoji so it's like sad yeah are you are your your face it's a sad face yeah. we should describe it this is very sad <laughs> face small it's very sad. horizontal mouth conveying sadness very yeah. good Thank you, uh, Maureen. That was uh, was indeed sad. You're you're being very uh, yeah. You're being very expressive today. I may say. So let's stay no, with you. Be very careful, Oliver, because otherwise you tell you tell us off if we don't do proper emoji faces. And quite right too. <laughs> exactly. I have very few jobs. That's <laughs> very few jobs, but one of them is to get us to obey the rules. They're, they're not there just for just for fun, you know. Uh, let's move on. So I'm going to stay with Maureen and her expressive face. Uh, oh yes, now this uh, this is going to run and run. But what's your take uh, on the the New York Times and OpenAI? They are really in a big oh, fight yeah. now. Oh yeah, yeah. So there are two major court cases that we're all waiting for the outcome of which is uh, uh, Stability AI and Getty Images and the New York Times suing OpenAI for, for similar reasons. This is all about copyright and fair use. Um, basically, uh, the Times have accused OpenAI of training on their copyright material and 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 they're in the courts now and and i and now i'm going to laugh because this is the most hilarious uh um hilarious uh, uh sort of turnaround of events now open ai is criticizing um i use criticize but they might actually be counter suing i'm not sure uh uh uh, uh the times the new york times for saying hey you guys you hack into our chatbot in order to provide some evidence for the court case. So it's like, whoa. Oh, twist a roo. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Claire. Yeah, I'm 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 going with shots fired on this one. Nice. Uh, because that's what it feels like. Uh, the, the specific filing that OpenAI said, uh, and they're asking the judge to dismiss parts of the of the lawsuit. They said the allegations in the Times complaint do not meet its famously rigorous journalistic standards, which, as I said, shots fired, my friends. It's getting quite messy. So, which, and it's, you know, if they're saying it, it might be at least partly true. It doesn't mean what OpenAI did was right, but it means that some of the stuff that's in the filing is 
somewhat made up. So it'll be interesting to see where it comes up. Made up isn't a legal term, I should say. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. For our lawyers who are uh, scrutinising our um, uh, everything we say very carefully. So, yeah, this is a good one. There's a bit of a popcorn one. You sometimes use the popcorn one, but the shots fired, awesome. Yeah. I, I, I almost used it, but I think I yeah. used it last week. I have to... You did? I have to to dole it with, uh, you know, with, with caution. No, I love the shots. Fine. Um, something fairly similar. It's a Gemini related one about Gemini and, and Gemini's all this. I don't know. Uh, I, I've seen uh, I've seen people say uh, Gen AI goes woke or whatever, but it's it's the Gen AI, Gen AI story and the the um, black Nazis and the female founding fathers, etc. going on. What on earth? You put Gemini goes a bit overboard. Uh, so I'll stay with you, Claire. Gemini goes a bit overboard with this uh, woke Gen AI thing or whatever we should call it. Well, so Gemini is the Google AI system. And, and clearly, we've, we've talked about this. There, there is a bias in, in, in generative AI, possibly slightly uh, encouraged by swallowing a lot of Reddit data, although not exclusively there. But there is a bias. And Google has clearly tried... You know, it's things like if you ask a generative image system to to pull out a doctor, it will be a white man, and if it's an, you know if it's a, a fast food worker, it will be a black woman, and they they just like tend to reinforce stereotypes. And Google tried very hard to um, counter that in their AI system, which is to their credit, I think, but unfortunately, uh, it didn't quite work because what. <laughs> What we ended up with, as you as you alluded to, is is uh, uh, very random thing. So if you if you ask um, uh, the system to uh, create a group of Nazi era German soldiers, it's going to show you uh, black soldiers uh, in Nazi uniform, which is sort of not entirely accurate historically, and also kind of wrong. Uh, it also has uh, done put as you said put women in the founding fathers because you know. Women should be everywhere. There shouldn't be a bias against them, but they weren't, in fact. In which maybe they should have been, but they weren't. So it's it's it just shows the problem with with generative AI is that you know you try to fix somewhere there, and the unintended unintended consequences sort of are absolutely massive. So potmoji on Gemini, uh, I think it's an oops potmoji. I go, I'm going oops. Yeah, I mean, it sort of breaks the whole premise of it, really, of uh, Gen AI, because Gen AI is being fed with all the stuff that's out there semi-randomly or certainly uh, in a in a, a kind of um, anarchic kind of way put together. So actually trying to trying to tweak it like that is probably out of thought next to impossible. But Maureen, what's your take? Yeah, so um, I like the name, though. So Bard has moved to Gemini. So, But I agree with everything else that, 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 that Claire's sort of uh, mentioned there. Um, uh, so... Yeah, look experimental. So it's like, okay, I'm giving them a break. Just like, just just sort of fix it. But I'm giving them a break. So it's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna yeah. do? Kind of thing. What are you okay. gonna do? <laughs> I yeah. So far, the podcast has been do? superb. There we go. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's very like good that. again. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm normally I can be quite harsh, and I am a stickler for the rules, and there's nothing wrong with that. God damn it. But these ones have been excellent so far. Very expressive, very entertaining, if I may say so. Uh, one more to go. I had to look up what procedural TV was, actually, uh, when this one came through. I didn't even know. No, Yeah, yeah, did I didn't not. really know what it was. So it's like uh, CSI Miami and CSI Chatham. Uh, it's all, all, those, those are what procedural are. You're trying to work out who done it 
Together with the characters, almost, I guess. Yeah, I mean, some of them are medical. Medical is also procedural. Those case of the week shows that tend, especially in the US, they are case of the week. Uh, There are actors that stay on and they have their own stories, but every week there's a new case. And um, yeah, they tend to be either legal, police or medical. Mm. All three sometimes. Uh, And they tend to have, uh, in the US, they're very long seasons. You've got your 22 seasons and they can stay on air for many many years because obviously sort of the stories renew regularly so something like Grey's Anatomy is on what season 20 now something more than that I think yeah and so what's the what's the what's happened I mean presumably they're back in some way or they're making a return oh yes Uh, a lot of these series have stopped they're all broadcast here so uh, there are a few procedurals on on streaming but actually this is very much the bread and butter of linear television especially in the US and they are still the thing that kind of works it doesn't work as well as it used to but it still brings in audiences and there's a lot of them. And uh, one thing I learned uh, in this article, which is from Deadline, is that there are, w- one of the most um, prolific creator of, of, of these is, is a man called uh, Dick Wolf. Uh, and Dick Wolf currently has nine shows on television, which feels like a lot. But then, you know, Shonda Rhimes, who's another very, very prolific procedural creator, also probably has about nine. So when you find somebody who knows how to do them, you 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 do them and you make them as many. It's Chicago. There's a, there's a, a, a set of series set in Chicago, which are called Chicago Fire, Chicago Hospital, I want to say. And then there's another one, which is a legal one, and they're all sort of semi-interconnected. Anyway, all of these had to stop because of the strike, of course, uh, because there was nobody to write them and nobody to act in them. And so they they weren't on television. There were a lot of reruns and they've all come back and the ratings have been fairly strong. I mean, you know, we're talking, we're still... um, we're still much lower than we were a few a few years or a few decades ago. But all the Chicago shows and all the low and orders of which there are also many many open the new seasons uh, up by double digits in in viewers and uh, they they a lot of them got into the top ten. So good news for procedurals and the the reason I wanted the stories I love procedurals they're my favorite type of tv i could watch them forever and so i'm really happy this is my happy face oh and it really is with um an embellishment of your hands uh they're comforting aren't they yeah. they're sort of com- comfort um tv yeah. in a way so i get you and when you said wolf dramas i was thinking uh, you were talking supernatural werewolf dramas and i thought well there's only a couple no, of those there, but you're talking nick wolf who is golly he must dick, be waking dick, dick wolf yeah oh sorry nick dick wolf. dick, dick. Yeah. Dick? Oh, Dick Wolf. Right. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. he, uh, either way, him and his brother Mick <laughs> raking it in. Good for them. Um, Maureen, finally, your last emoji. I'm expecting great things. Procedurals on the way back? Question mark. My okay. NCIS. I like NCIS. Oh. Yeah. yeah, but they are comfort for their comfort viewing because there's a rhythm to them. You know that your case of the week is going to be finished by the end and you're going to have some sort of a resolution, but you can follow with your favorite actors. And some of them have been on them. The, you know, uh, SVU is an example, special Special victim unit is an example of some of these guys have been there for decades, the actors, uh, and they've become, you know, friends and family for many people. So yeah, procedurals are back and we're all very happy. 
Yeah, and to add to the happiness, uh, my son Charlie has got his first credit on a major TV series, the new uh, the new Star Wars. Look, uh, he's about three hundred and seventh on the credit list. Uh, young Charlie Turnbull did something. I'm, I'm not absolutely no idea what uh, on the postcard of the new uh, Star Wars TV series. So a very proud father. It's a first step on the ladder to Oscar stardom. Uh, oh come on, it's a good place to start. Absolutely, Star Wars. well done him. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're, we're pleased. So um, that's it. We have come to the end, and by golly, there was a lot of news. There was a lot of news, and there was a lot of pod mojis. The pod mojis were of superb quality uh, this week. I don't think I'm being too grovelly if I point that out. Congratulations! Uh, it's a draw, by the way, because I always keep score, as you know. Uh, and over the seasons, there's a source of season tally as well, which I'll let you know at the end of the season. But for now, we have to say goodbye. I'll say goodbye to you, Maureen. I know you've had you've had hearing problems today, not in your ears, but in the tech. Um, but you've done brilliantly, uh, despite all that disadvantage so thank you very much Maureen and see you on the next one goodbye yeah. bye Claire bye to you as well goodbye and farewell fair audience we will see you on the next one but until then it's goodbye <laughs>